Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands shall wait for his law. Hallelujah. Father, we pray for your blessings upon the reading of the word tonight. We pray, God, that these words would edify and build up the body of Christ, that, Lord, we would find encouragement in these words, and that, Lord, you would receive glory. Now, Lord, we know that we can't even understand the word unless the Holy Spirit makes these things real to us. And so we pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost tonight, that he would open our hearts and our understanding. He would unstop the deaf, deaf ear and soften the hardened hearts that, Lord, they might be pliable to receive And then, Lord, anoint this your servant to bring forth this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. This is the first of several servant songs in, the, in this section of Isaiah. The identity of the servant has uh, been a matter of dispute. Some say it's Israel, but I believe we have here some of the clearest references to the Lord Jesus Christ found anywhere in the Old Testament. And when I read them, I find it very hard, looking from the Christian point of view, to, to think that our Israelite brothers can read these without realizing that they're talking about the Messiah. Taking these words as applicable to the anointed of, of the Lord, and then secondly to every believer who is equipped to send him and to lead uh, other men to salvation, we have the following features indicated. First of all, the spirit of obedience. Verse 1. Behold my servant. I believe that there was that kind of an attitude in Jesus Christ. That he was a servant of the Father. And when I see him talking about my servant, I just 
automatically think of Jesus Christ rather than thinking of Israel as a nation, even though they were servants to Jehovah. Luke 2 and verse 49, Jesus was only 12 years old. He'd gone from Nazareth to Jerusalem. He'd gone there for the festivities. And when they left, they'd left him behind. And he came forth with these words when they finally found him. Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? He came to work the works of him who had sent him. It was his meat to do the will of the Father and to finish the work, as we find over in John 4, 34. At the end, he could say, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work that thou hast given me to do. I hope that we'll be able to say that when we come to the end of our earthly journey. Hallelujah. The spirit of obedience, active conformity to the known will of God. And of course, this is the characteristic of the true servant of God. Philippians 2, starting with the fifth verse, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And, found, and being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto the death, even the death of the cross. Obedience was the mark of his servant or his servitude here on earth. Oh, that you and I could have such an attitude. You know, we could. We should. In fact, that's what the Scripture here is saying. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. His sole purpose was to serve God Almighty. Hallelujah. Just how important is the will of God to most of us? How much time do we spend seeking the perfect will of God? You know, there's a permissive will of God and there's a perfect will of God. And I want to be doing the perfect will of God. I want to be found doing thy will, O God. But how much time do we spend upon our knees daily seeking the perfect will of God? You know, what might be the perfect will of God for Terry might not be the perfect will of God for me. 
And so each of us needs to go to God daily. We need to go to God on a continual basis. Jesus said, I do always those things that please my Father. Because he was in continual communications with the Father. He could say, I do always those things that I see the Father doing. I do only those things that I see him do. And I see a lack in my life. And I, I presume that you see that same lack of having that communications to know that you're in the perfect will of God. But it's possible. Jesus proved it's possible. He came to be the example for us. And if he could do it, we can do it. Amen. Secondly here, I see the excellency which attracts. It says, whom I behold, mine elect, in whom my soul delights. In other words, that one in whom I am well pleased. God was well pleased with Jesus Christ. His soul delighted in Jesus Christ. This can be talking of no one else other than Jesus Christ. I don't know of one person that satisfied God like Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You know, there is that about our Lord that just satisfies and attracts. Jesus Christ was one in whose spirit, attitude, and behavior just kind of called forth the pleasure of the Father. Galatians Chapter 1 and verse 10 says, For I do, uh, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a servant of Christ. That was Paul talking. But Jesus didn't go about serving men either. He was no respecter of persons. He spoke the truth in boldness. He said what needed to be said. He kept quiet when things needed to be kept quiet. Oh, what lessons we could learn by just looking at the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. I think we need to stop and ask ourselves, who am I trying to please? Am I trying to please my wife? Am I trying to please my husband? Am I trying to please God or my friends? Am I trying to please God or my boss? 
Am I trying to please God or my teachers? Just who am I trying to please? Turn with me to Romans 8 and verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, or fleshly minded, is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind, or the fleshly mind, is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who have a mind after the things of the world, those who are only looking to satisfy their bodily desires, their earthly desires, cannot please God. There's no way that we can be pleasing to God when we're trying to please ourselves. Jesus never lived to please himself. He took the form of a servant and he looked to please the Father. So who are we trying to please? Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please God. I think we need to ask ourselves, Am I walking in the flesh? Or am I walking in the Spirit? Am I walking in faith or am I walking according to my own thoughts? How many of you here, I, I assume that most people come to church because they have a heart after God. Otherwise, you wouldn't get them in the church building to begin with. And so I disagree with pastors who get up and, and uh, preach as though everyone in the pew was a sinner. I know that there's sinners that come in our midst, okay? But I assume that everyone here is here because they love God, because they want to please God. And if we really want to please God, then we need to look at some of these scriptures and uh, look and say, am I trying to please my own desires in this world? To be carnally minded is death. And if you're living in the flesh, you can't please God because God is spirit. And Hebrews 11.6 says you can't Please God without faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Are we walking in faith?
What does it mean to walk in faith? You need to, to examine these things. What, what does it mean to walk in faith? There's, there's the whole 11th chapter giving you example after example of men who walked by faith, not by sight. And our whole desire should be that same desire that Jesus had to please the Father. That should be number one. Second Timothy. Second Timothy, please. Turn there with me. Second Timothy two and verse four. It says no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. These men that have gone to the desert, they've, they've had to separate themselves from their life that they knew here in the United States. And they can't have every thought on things going on at home because if they had all, all these thoughts about, well, what's happening to my wife? What's happening to my kids? What, what's taking place there? What, you know? They couldn't fight the warfare. They wouldn't be ready if an attack came. You've got to have your mind on the fact that you have been enlisted to protect this nation and that all your thoughts are on this battle that's before you. You can't have your mind somewhere else and fight a battle. And we're in a warfare. And you can't be entangled with the things of this world and be a good soldier. You can't please him who enlisted you. Jesus Christ has enlisted you. God has enlisted you into the greatest army that this world will ever know, the army of the firstborn, the army of Jesus Christ, and we're a victorious army. God's got an army marching through the land. Well, praise God, I wish that, that this here would be truth, that this here would be fact, that we would be an army that we would take our thoughts off of the world and get our thoughts on Jesus Christ, how we can please God, how we can win this war, how we can turn this world around, how we can win the battles. And we can do it through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Then last of all, in our text, I see the recipiency of the highest gift or the recipient of the highest gift. I guess that would be a better way of saying that. I have put my spirit upon him. That's the highest gift. There's no other gift that you could get that's any better than the reception of the Holy Spirit.
Hallelujah. God gave the Spirit to, to Jesus without measure. John 3 and verse 34, if you want to look it up sometime. Without measure. Why? Well, because he was immeasurably capable of receiving that gift. You know, the gift, really, the gifts of God to us do not depend on his willingness, but on our ability to receive. I remember one time in Virginia, I was praying, God, I want more of Jesus. I want more and more and more. I want more of Jesus than I've ever had before. And God spoke to me. And he said, you can have exactly as much of Jesus as you're willing to give of yourself. How much do you want of Jesus? The answer is that you can have as much as you're willing to give of yourself. You can have as much of the Holy Spirit as you're willing to give of yourself. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and be filled with your own desires and your own lusts and your own pleasures. There has to be a, a desire to be filled with him. You've got to have such a hunger and such a thirst. The scripture says, Blessed is he who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, for he shall be filled. The fact that you recognize your need makes you a recipient. Makes you eligible. But you've got to realize that need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, it all depends on us. What is it that you really want? How much are you willing to give? If you're not willing to give, what's holding you back? Luke, chapter 11. Luke, chapter 11. Hallelujah. Verse 9. I say unto you, ask, 
And what? It will be given to you. Seek and you shall knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone, underline that in your Bible, everyone who asks does what? Receives. Everyone who asks receives. Hallelujah. And he who seeks finds, and he who knocks it will be opened. Glory to God. And you go on down and he's, in uh, verse 13, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? Ask and you'll receive. Everyone that asks receives. You've got to tie the whole thing together. Hallelujah. In summary, let me say this. It says here, he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. We're the Gentiles. He's going to bring justice to the Gentiles. And I believe that if you would come and seek the perfect will of God, Not for someone else, but for you. You've got to seek the perfect will of God for you. Hallelujah. Secondly, I believe that you need to ask God, in what way can I become more pleasing to you? I want to please you, God. How can, I, how can I please you? What would please you tonight, Lord? What would please you this week? What is it that you want me to do? Thirdly, you need to come and seek more of the Spirit of God. Father, I want more. Show me those parts in my life that I need to give up. Show me where I'm holding back. Let me see my shortcomings that I might confess my faults and that you might have the full rule and reign in my life. I want to be a pleasing servant to you. This is the way we need to pray. Will you come up? There's not that many here tonight. Come on up and gather around the altars. I think Sunday nights ought to be times when we gather around the altar. I think there ought to be times that we'll look back on and even as our early Pentecostal fathers did, they look back at those times around the altars. And they long for that touch of God that they once knew at those altars. They can even remember the very spot in which they knelt. 
and they long for that touch that they once felt there at that very spot. And I believe that we need to find a spot. We need to find a place of prayer. We need to become a praying church. We need to be a church that's seeking after the things of God, crying out to God for his righteousness to be done in our lives. Oh, God. Oh, God. We come seeking you, not what you can do for us, but what can we do for you? Oh, God, we want to please you. We want to be pleasing unto you. We don't want to walk in the flesh, but we want to be filled with the Spirit of God, with power from on high. God, would you work upon the hearts and the minds of each one of us here today? God, may we find that this is a new beginning. Give us a servant's heart, a heart that's pliable, a heart that's soft and tender, a heart that's after God, a heart that wants to please only the Father, saying, it is meat for me, it is food for me to do thy will, O God. Lord, we've been entangled with the world. We've been entrapped. Lord, we're, we're so tied up in knots that, Lord, we're unable to do thy will. God, would you work in our lives to put you first? Oh, God, how we need thee. We need thee this hour. We need thee this moment. We need the fullness of the Holy Ghost. We can't live on yesterday's manna. We've come seeking that which is meat for our soul tonight. Oh, God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God. <laughs> 